What's up, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can help this show to grow while also getting access to our exclusive Pride content, which includes shows like Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, Special Interviews, Lions of Liberty Roundtables, and much, much more. So check that out. Help us grow at lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Yo, what's happening out there, everybody? Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 66. I am Brian McWilliams, as the lady said, here with you to guide you through the shiz that's going down. So let's hop into that shiz. Now, of course, as a precursor, you can find all the show notes for today's episode over at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL66. And uh, unfortunately, this is going to be a very short episode because I am uh, recording this before I I jog up with uh, Jason Stapleton and Mark Clare to meet up with Dave Smith. On our uh, our epic libertarian meetup group, which we're hosting tonight in Hollywood. Of course, by the time you hear this, it'll have already happened. <laughs> but I got to record fast, get up there, then I'm out uh, flying to Japan later tonight. So I don't have a lot of time on my hands. Too much time? Nah, not enough time. Which reminds me of a great joke, which I will now tell you, about why I had to throw out my Sticks cookbook from Sticks the Band because I kept getting too much time on my hams. <laughs> uh, that's a good joke. Good joke. All right. Anyway, let's hop to it. Uh, so first thing I want to get into in this episode is that Donald the Trumpster was at a rally and uh, said that troops will be out of Syria very soon. The U.S. troops There's about 2000 U.S. troops over there in Syria, of course, for no good reason. Just uh, just to, you know, to get involved in a civil war that we have no say in and in a country that uh, really I don't even consider to have much strategic value to the United States. But God knows we like to get involved, don't we? So we got about 2000 troops over there. They're uh, in a, a little bit of a perilous predicament considering the tensions with Russia. We've got two different factions there being backed by two different uh, major world powers. And now it looks like Assad is probably going to come out on top. The bright side is that Supposedly, the U.S. is there helping to fight ISIS, and uh, ISIS has indeed fallen back. Now, the Russians are also helping to fight ISIS, so we're both fighting ISIS, but meanwhile, the Russians are backing Assad, and we're backing the rebels who are getting their asses handed to them. Anyway, long story short, Trump said at the rally that they're knocking the hell out of ISIS, and that it's uh, it's going to be taken over, you know, we're regain that territory, all that stuff, and that we're going to pull the troops out very soon and, quote, let the other people take care of it now. This, of course, came as a major surprise to Defense Secretary James Mattis, who had said very recently that troops would be staying in Syria to prevent the creation of ISIS 2.0. Now, that's dumb because, again, Assad's pretty much getting a a handle on the situation, and he's got Russia backing him that they're still going to be fighting ISIS. So I don't know why the U.S. troops would have to stay there when it seems like the problem's pretty much being contained and we can just pull our troops out, mind our own goddamn business once again, and stop paying money and, uh, and blood into this country. But Mattis is saying the troops are going to stay there. He's shocked by Trump's statement. So I, I don't know what to believe. You know, I just was uh, shaking my head, as you would imagine, 
at this John Bolton appointment, at a lot of these appointments of these terrible neocons, warmongering neocons. And it comes as a surprise then that Trump turns around and is like, yeah, yeah, we're going to pull them out. I just, uh, you know, just decided we're going to bring them home. So I don't know what to believe. I, you know, I got to think that Mattis probably knows what he's talking about here. That Donald Trump is just saying what he wants people probably want to hear because he did run on that platform of not doing the empire building, of not helping with regime change, of uh, getting us out of a lot of these conflicts overseas. So who knows? He might just be throwing a little bit of a nod to keep his base happy. But the man seems impenetrably uh, Teflon. You know, no scandal could take him down. So fuck it. I don't, I don't even know why he bothers anymore. Nothing can hurt him. This whole scandal with this uh, the Stormy Daniels, which I, I just I, I don't know why anybody gives a shit about it, but that seems to have done absolutely nothing to harm him. You know, this uh, the, the more that the media covers it, the more people seem to be yawning and turning the channel, which is good. I mean, I didn't care when Bill Clinton was involved with that either, and that was with a, a woman who was actually in his employee. But whatever, man, you want to fool around on uh, on Hill Dog? Go for it, man. I could give two shits. So anyway, we'll see what actually does happen here. Again, with Bolton in there, I would be beyond shocked if our troops came home. But it's at least kind of nice to hear it. So we'll keep a beat on that one. Uh, next topic that I want to get into is there was a uh, there's a video game, which I've never played it. But it's called Far Cry. And the latest, the latest iteration of this game is called Far Cry 5. And it happens to feature a group of, I guess they're kind of religious zealots type of thing. Uh, it's you know, they this actually the people went and actually researched it that made the game. I think it was based on a real character, but this this concept of a religious cult kind of figure, kind of like a, a David Koresh, if you will, and he's holed up with a bunch of people in the kind of the middle of nowhere. They're armed to the teeth, but they're very much in that conservative mold, uh, middle of the country mold. So. <laughs> the social justice warriors, the uh, the cucks, if you will, over at GameSpot who do reviews and who are all obviously embedded within the tech world and the gaming industry, which is heavily liberal. So they they go and they review this this game and they did a whole video about it. And uh, I wish I had more time. I would have pulled some audio from it. But I did link to this video on uh, on the uh, the show notes page. But it does a good job of breaking down what exactly these, these GameSpot people are upset with. And it boils down to them being upset because the people who actually created the game, and they should be given a lot of credit for, uh, for creating a game where they're not just making stereotypes, but they put characters in there that are conservatives, that are very proud of their Second Amendment rights. They're, you know, they even, I think, call people libtards <laughs> at one point in the game. But they made this game where the characters have depth and nuance to them. And they, they are so well thought out that the GameSpot guys had an issue with it because they were blown away by the fact that they could position these people as not just being the stereotype hillbilly rednecks that, that everybody hates on the left. And they were upset because they actually got drawn into the mindset of these people and could see where they were coming from. And that, for them, ruins the game. Because <laughs> I, I guess then you don't just want to murder them. You don't just want to kill them all, and they're not just blatantly evil figures that are that are created purely to throw uh, raw meat to the liberals. So it's just as interesting watching the video concept, though, because they show the, you know, there's different segments. There's a guy sitting on his front porch, and he's running for Senate or, or, uh, or local council position or something like that. Again, calling people libtards and talking about his Second Amendment rights and all that stuff. 
And these guys are pointing to this as like the reason that the game is flawed, that that it takes you out of the gameplay somehow. Having having interesting characters that don't fit into your worldview, that ruins the game for some people. It's just, it's amazing to see. And uh, it's a shame, really, though, because you'd like to see people step up and, and give them credit where credit's due for, for not simply buying into, okay, we're going to just create a game where you could go and kill conservatives because we know it'll sell to liberals. And that's what it seems like uh, you know, these people are craving. It's what they desire. So anyway, kudos to Ubisoft or Ubisoft. I don't know how you're supposed to say that name, but uh, kudos to them for creating a nuanced game that can appeal to hopefully a wide swath of population. Who knows? Maybe there's a, a nice silver lining. Maybe some people will play the game and actually buy into the characters and actually say, you know what? I've been judging people too hard. Wouldn't be amazing if a video game is what finally cracks the code to communication between the left and the right, allows people to see others' others' point of views. Maybe this is all subliminal messaging from, uh, well, Ubisoft's owned by the, the damned French. God knows we don't want to take any lessons from those people, but there must be some proud Americans at uh, the U.S. office. All right, let's take a real quick break, and then I'll be right back. My name is Dale Kearns, and I'm running for United States Senate in Pennsylvania as a libertarian. I'm a concerned citizen who has had enough. I work as a project manager for an electrical contractor in southeastern Pennsylvania. There I manage large commercial and industrial projects. I'm a husband and a father of two energetic little girls. I'm running to advocate for a society where my girls have more liberty, not less. Will you support our campaign? Unlike my competitors, I'm not a career politician. I don't have millionaire and billionaire donors. I'm running for Senate in Pennsylvania because I want to take the message to Washington that we want government out of our lives. Will you let me be your voice? Let me be the voice that says we will not walk quietly down the road to serfdom. The voice that says we need free market solutions. The voice that says we need to end the failed war on drugs. The voice who will fight for the forgotten man and nonviolent offenders wasting away in prison and addicts who are afraid to speak up and seek the help they need. We are seeking members for our campaign team. I encourage you to apply. We need donations to help us spread the message of liberty across the state. We can go on hoping for liberty to happen, or we can fight together. I hope you choose the latter and join me today. Find out more at DaleKearns.com. Paid for by Dale Kearns for Office. All right, welcome back into Electric Liberty Land, episode 66. You can find the show notes as promised. Again, you can watch that whole video I was just discussing before the break at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL66. Now, you know what? One thing I forgot to talk about at the top of the show, by the way, it just bugs me because last episode, if you heard, I was talking about the, I kept calling it the March for Life, which I think the March for Life is actually the anti-abortion rally. But the March for Our Lives is what I should have been calling the march that all the uh, the kiddies did where they got out of school and marched around in ignorance. Let me just say, why the hell are you calling it March for Our Lives, which sounds so much like March for Life? It's just very confusing. I mean, God damn it, if you're going to have a march, why don't you call it something specific and memorable, not something that's going to blend in with every other goddamn march? Because, you know, how many marches can you have in a year? I think in the first year Trump was in office, there were 75 marches. March for our marches. Need to march for more marches. That's what it is. But it's less, it drives me nuts because it's like, it bugs me to make little errors. And God knows, I make so many little flubs on this show. I also said I ran instead of Iraq last show. <laughs> eh, you guys get what I mean. You know me. But it's just so annoying. From Come on, from a branding perspective. Come on, Linda Sarsour, who is behind this whole thing in reality. 
you know, she's the driving force. The, the Women's March planned and organized the March for Our Lives. Again, it's, you know, trying to, trying to believe that these kids did it is just laughable. But call it something. Good. Call it like, how about uh, Student March 2018? How about that? It, nice and easy. Keeps it simple. That March for Our Lives, idiotic. So anyway, that just pissed me off. I want to rage about it a little bit. Okay, coming back in, let's talk about the, uh, the <laughs> well, as you said, at the title of this episode, it said, did Cardi B's libertarian libertarianism kill the Ninth Circuit judge that just passed away? And and uh, basically what had happened is that Supreme, or I'm sorry, uh, Circuit Court Judge Stephen Reinhardt died at the age of 87 this past week. Now, I don't want to come in the show and celebrate the death of another human being, but you know, maybe just a little, like maybe I'm just a little, a little happy. <laughs> and again, I don't want to sound too horrible. I'm not that bad of a person. I mean, I'm fairly terrible as a person, but I, I'm not truly evil. I'm sure I, I feel for his family. It's too bad and all that. But the Ninth Circuit Court is one of the absolute most ridiculous dipshitty courts that has ever existed. It is where you go. If you have some crazy progressive retarded concept that you want to try to infringe on someone's rights, you want to try to limit someone's rights, you want to try to push through any batshit crazy bullshit, that's where you go. Of course, it's in San Francisco because, yeah, why would it not be? The bastion of, uh, of the, the cyclone's eye, you know, like the eye of the hurricane as far as liberal bullshit in San Francisco. So, this guy passed away, and, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody better is going to replace him. I'm sure in San Francisco that uh, a conservative has zero chance of ever winning an election to uh, to t- step into that seat. And it's, unfortunately, circuit courts are not one of the positions that are appointed by a president. So there's no way that Trump can step in and say, OK, good, I'm going to try to balance this out and put somebody in there that just doesn't completely have their head up their ass and uh, and believe every liberal fairy tale that's ever been told. So, mm. <laughs> it's probably just going to be somebody that's younger and even more uh, on the rabid left than than this guy. But, hey, what are you going to do? Uh, just to give you an example of some of the things that the circuit court or the Ninth Circuit Court has actually ruled on, uh, this, this is a prime example, is that the Ninth Circuit Court ruled that you cannot have concealed carry weapons just kind of like, – basically, they made it incredibly difficult to get a concealed carry weapon in California. And uh, they reined it into the point where you need to have a very specific reason for protection to warrant having a concealed carry permit. And just being just wanting to defend yourself isn't enough. So that's an example of the kind of things that they want to do. They they despise gun rights. They despise pretty much anything that involves the Second Amendment. And uh, yeah, it's just probably going to be more of the same. But I do like to think that maybe Cardi B coming out as a quasi libertarian had something to do with it. Maybe old Reinhardt's heart just couldn't take it and gave out while he was listening to the beats. It had its last beat because Cardi B, who is a very popular rapper, maybe the most popular rapper right now, uh, despite the fact that her music is somewhere between terrible and completely awful. I mean, it, it really is. And I hate to say it because she is getting some some uh, she's making some good statements. And I'll read a few of them that she posted on her Instagram. I was trying to pull that video, but I don't know how to pull video from Instagrams. It's above my above my pay grade. Technology is concerned. I was trying to listen to some of the songs and it was like literally the most generic beats you've ever heard. Just, you know, that, that kind of like generic techno beat or rap beat. And then just her kind of half talking, half singing over top of it. Terrible, terrible. And I'm not, and, this, and I'm, I'd say there's a guy who actually enjoys rap. I mean, I listen to more old school stuff, but 
I mean, woof. Just the, the lamest generic R&B, just garbage. Anywho, so Cardi B's gone on to Instagram to promote come, you know, upcoming album, and she's posted stuff on there like, I want to know what you're doing with my fucking money, which don't we all crack it on the government for lack of transparency. So that's nice to say the uh, a rapping icon at the height of her career, basically the pinnacle of her popularity. I don't think she's any more popular than she is now. But talking about taxes, talking about transparency, talking about the government taking money and not telling us what they're doing with it. Love it. She also is talking about uh, gun control, but not to say that we need to rein in guns. Simply saying that the problem is that the government only puts metal detectors in schools in the hood. Eh, fair enough. As I said before, I actually have no issue, ex- well, except for the cost of installing them. Said God knows we put too much money in education as it is. But I have no issue putting metal detectors in every school. Look, kids are going to indoctrinate in, in a, a status prison, essentially. So I don't, I don't care if they are happy while they're there. In fact, I'd be more happy if they were unhappy. If they wanted to be homeschooled, it was probably a much better turnout. So I'd say put all the metal detectors you want in there. Shit, make sure the kids go through them. Screen everybody that goes in and out. Do what you got to do. If it makes you feel better at the end of the day. And uh, hopefully for these kids, drives them into the arms of homeschooling or drives them into the arms of private institutions that may not have metal detectors, but hopefully do have armed teachers and, and armed guards around the school. So that's the, uh, the second thing she said. She also has uh, really stepped up. And I, I, in my opinion, I think she's, when she's talking about invasion of privacy, I think she's talking about not only a, a basic invasion of privacy as a celebrity, but also talking a little bit as to the invasion of privacy with the NSA, with uh, the FBI and the, the uh, FISA warrants. And not only that, but talking about like Facebook, talking about Google. I mean, it just has come out how much data Facebook has mined from you, that they're tracking everywhere you go. Like Google, for instance, Knows everywhere you travel, documents it, documents how long you were there, how long it took you to get between. I mean, There's an Irish uh, reporter who pulled his data from Google and saw all of this stuff. And not only that, you look at like just browsing around the Internet. I mean, Google's clearly reading your emails. That's not a surprise. They show up, you know, ads show up for content that's in your emails. I pull up a, a Google search and I had my, you know, a G chat is open in the other window and up, up pops my Japanese ticket. It's like, oh, you're going to Japan. What are you thinking about this? So Google's reading all of your documents, sharing them with advertisers, sharing with third-party people. And I get that people are upset by that because obviously it is an invasion of privacy, especially when you don't necessarily know it on the surface when you're getting into. But at the same time, eh, it's a trade-off that I guess I am willing to take. <laughs> I could opt out of Google, of course. I could switch to Proton Mail and and uh, and get off of the the G's completely, get into something that's a little bit more secure and private. But Gmail, it's the best, it's the easiest one to use, the chat service, all that shit. So I'm willing to sacrifice that in order to have my life be more convenient. And I acknowledge that. It doesn't necessarily make me happy, but am I going to dump it all and switch off right now? No. I'm probably not going to do it. Too lazy. I don't really give a shit if they're selling my information to advertisers. I'd be much more concerned about it. And uh, <laughs> if I was ever running from the government, I would definitely then destroy my phone, destroy my email, all that other stuff. But that's just par for the course. You know, I mean, look, you kill 17 hookers, you're going to have to delete your Gmail. That's page one in the murderer's handbook. But until that happens, eh, fuck it, man. They can, they can add my data, considering this, uh, this stuff's all free anyway. They got to make the money somehow. Eh, par for the course. Okay, last topic. Again, and I, and I apologize. This is going to be a very short show. But I do promise that I will 
have an extra long episode for you guys when I come back from Japan. I'll tell you some some stories from over there. I'll uh, tell you about how the people probably pointed at me in terror. All that good stuff. Tell you what celebrities they think I am, like a really tall, thin Andre Agassi. Excellent stuff is coming your way. So, again, I do apologize. But last thing, just to hit on real quick in this episode, Hillary Clinton is still going around, still trying to make that money, still trying to promote her book everywhere she can, still going on the uh, the Woe Is Me whining tour, and recently spoke at Rutgers. She was paid a measly pittance compared to what she used to pull in of the 250000 uh, Goldman Sachs dollars. So she was paid about $25,000 to address the uh, the students at some commencement speech, something like that. So while she's there whining and bitching and all that, uh, somebody did a little research into what other people have spoken at Rutgers and what they got paid. And it turns out that Snooky from, uh, what was it, the, uh, <laughs> the Jersey Shore, which... Side note is where I spent my youth growing up and going to the uh, to the beach in the summertime before it was destroyed by the giant hurricane. It's really too bad. But uh, and that shows accurate, by the way, those those grotesque monsters of uh, of oil and sunbed tanning and horrible hair do exist. And they were exactly like that. Not an exaggeration. Those are definitely real people. And uh, I'm sure they're still nesting and fucking somewhere. But anyway, Snooky was at Rutgers giving a speech to their uh, their student populace, and she was paid $32,000. <laughs> so Hillary Clinton has fallen, her star has fallen so fast and so hard that she now does not even warrant being paid as much as a uh, a formerly popular Guidette Hobbit that now has, I think, a podcast and maybe, actually, I think they're bringing back uh, the Jersey Shore. I think they're doing a reunion. So Snooki will probably pull in at least twice what Hillary Clinton is pulling in for speeches very soon. All right, that'll do it, guys. I got to go. I got to get out of here. So I will uh, bid you adieu. And again, my heartfelt apologies for the short episode. But uh, hey, pray I don't crash on the way to Japan or on the way back. Because you know, I do worry about these things. All right, so konnichiwa. Uh, that's hello. Sayonara. There you go. Goodbye. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty. And from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.